0: Uh, co-founder at Sport Logic. The website is sportlogic.com. So, Craig, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, it looks really interesting what you guys are doing. Can you uh, give me a brief description of what you guys are up to?
1: Yeah, sure. So we are uh, we're a team of um, computer vision AI researchers uh, who have built a technology that, that can uh, watch broadcast sports feeds, so NFL games or NHL games or... Premier League uh, soccer games. Uh, we capture 158 million data points per game, and then we take all that data and we uh, we turn it into sort of like actionable insights, so things that teams can use to win more games or uh, content that fans can use to uh, see the game and understand the game better. So you're like an AI coach, I guess, or third eye that watches?
0: Yeah, something
1: like that. Think about it. If we're, we're building... Uh, an AI platform that can see, understand, and describe the game like um, like the world's best coach, right? Um, and now imagine yourself as a fan sitting at the water cooler, you know, talking with people at the office, and this AI coach can actually understand the game really well and actually can counter some of the points that you're making and can show you some of the new things to look at that you might not have noticed otherwise. What, what's
0: an example? What are some of the things that... Uh, this just, you know, what are some of the examples of things that things that the AI has seen actually that were surprising that maybe no human sees or things that well, people see
1: and you know, what do you see? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll give an example of um, of, of in, in Premier League soccer. I mean, there's uh, one of the things that most fans or most coaches will talk about is whether or not a team is playing a high press game. Um, well, right now, the way that companies across the world are collecting data and coming up with analysis, uh, you know, like the top three companies in the world have 2,000, 3,000 employees who are manually tagging video. What they'll tag is, let's say, a pass. Um, once they have a pass, then any of the coaches or any of the you know, media companies can put together all the passes and say, okay, this team made this many passes in this location. Now, what we're doing is we're saying, well, were those passes under pressure? Were there players around them running towards them trying to uh, trying to take away the ball? Or were there players... Um, Playing a high press game, and that's the kind of information that you just don't get by manually tagging video. Um, so we, we'll have a dashboard that can give the teams the ability to look at all the other teams in the league and determine who plays a high press game and in what situations. So how do you play against them? I think it'd be the, the answer that you would want to look for. I can say everyone wants your data. You
0: know, I mean, can it analyze the plays? Like, oh, that's a I don't know the name
1: of a play, but you know, the, the forward crush. Yeah. To analyze all that. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. So uh, in, we started out in hockey. Um, and so in terms of the types of plays that we, we capture, uh, we've got 573 different types of plays that can be done in any given game of hockey. Uh, and of those 573, you'll, you'll likely have around 4,000 individual actions that happen throughout the game. Uh, so, yeah, we're we really looking at absolutely everything multiple times per second.
0: Well, I'm sure everyone wants your data. I would bet coaches,
1: uh, sportsbooks. Um, yep. I mean, all kinds of people want your data, right? This is exactly it. So, I mean, th- there are pretty much three types of customers that would want this, right? There are the teams who want to win more. So they want insights on how to win more or, let's say, how to draft the best player or how to pick the right line to play. So think of, like, the teams being anybody who can make a decision that will change the way that they play the game. Um, media... Uh, wanting the information to get sort of these new stories, information, you know, maybe being able to cater the stories to individual fans when they're watching the game, describe parts of the game that you might not see, uh, let data back up arguments that are happening about the game. Um, so so there's teams, there's media, and then there's sports betting. Now, on the sports betting side, I mean, we're currently predicting game outcomes uh, in the NHL with, with close to 70% accuracy. Uh, so really, really, really? much... Yeah. I mean, it's when you have, we literally, we have 12 PhDs working on this. So we're, we're at a point where we just have so much information and so much brain power looking at all that information that we are, we're predicting the games the same way that, let's say a, um, maybe if you had a group of the best coaches in the world watching the games and they were to sit and predict what was going to happen, that's kind of like the engine that we've built. Well, what point are you predicting the game? Like three seconds before it's over, or before it even
0: starts, or
1: <laughs> three seconds before it was over? I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if anybody is <laughs> all that interested. <laughs> I just had to um, tease you
0: on that. So yeah. Yeah.
1: No. But so we've uh, well, this the, the, the close to seventy percent accuracy is uh, is pregame prediction, um, and that is like regular season pregame uh, standard games. Uh, yeah. The we also so how have
0: if it's seventy percent pre-game, I mean that would mean as a sideline you could bet all the sports books and like clobber them. You know, if you're even over like fifty, if you're like fifty-two percent, you
1: have enough of an edge to build like a monstrous burst uh, over time. Correct. <laughs> that is that is correct. Uh, now, okay, here's the interesting thing. If uh, here's where where things get really um, different. So. The expectation when you can predict games with that kind of accuracy is that, well, just go out and build build a sports betting, you know, organization. Just go bet against the lines. But that's kind of like saying you're gonna go out and build a company that's gonna beat Wall Street, right? Uh you're almost better off providing all of the insights and all the data and all the tools to the entire industry uh to enable the industry to to function, you know, more uh efficiently. Um there's also better tools and better Products that can be given to individual people who are either watching sport or or betting on sport, uh, giving them the tools to do that as a company is much more valuable than just flat out going and, and betting. Uh, it, it is hands down the better strategy, and we've looked at it a hundred different ways. Um, so, oh, what, uh, what tells you that? I'm
0: curious. Why? Why do you? Um, is that empirically so, or is that just your belief, or
1: what tells you that? Uh, well, if you look at I don't know. Let's say how much how much money is being bet on sports in in any given year. You've probably got what the numbers are ballpark range in the U.S. alone. uh, 150 billion dollars is bet on sports annually. Um, Sports books will generally um, I don't know what what an average handle is, but let's say it's five to ten percent. That becomes their actual revenue. Um, you've got a handful of players who are actually collecting any of that revenue. Um, people are using, so you've got operators. So you've got the actual app that people are using to bet. That's where that, that money is generated. And then you've got suppliers who are providing those sports books with the data and with the services that they need to be able to provide those services to build those products. Um, if you were to, let's say, build a hedge fund, let's say that becomes the model that you choose to do and you just. Put a group of people, a group of traders in a room and uh, they take a management fee to be able to, um, uh, you know, bet on sports. If, if you were to take even a 1% edge on the market and then provide your revenue as an organization as being a management fee on investors putting money into that hedge fund, I'm not convinced that the overall uh, liquidity in the market would support that as a, as a company relative to if you were to give the entire industry, so the big players in the industry, a one percentage or be able to um, enable everybody to capitalize on, on arbitrage in, in real time as kind of being that, that tech enabler for the industry. I just, I mean, it, it's a bit of a hypothetical discussion because the product and the technology doesn't exist. I mean, we're literally yeah. building it. Um, but just in, in terms of overall size of each one of those, uh yeah, I just I don't think the liquidity is is there on on the hedge fund side. Um maybe I'm maybe agree I'm not, with you. But, uh, yeah. I mean you'd you'd move the market
0: too. If you have well, that much of an I mean, advantage, I mean you'd move it. Of course, And, it, and that's
1: the that's the thing with hedge funds, right? If you if you if you go out and you are market makers, uh there will be, you know, people will follow and that so you you kind of begin to um reduce your advantage over time. Uh, So, yeah, for us, it just as our core competency, like the thing that we do is we collect the information, we understand the game, we have models that can predict the game in real time. So the question then is, how do do you maximize the value of that technology? And I just see is like the the entire industry is slow. There's a lot of manual labor. There are models that are very subjective. uh, And just being able to streamline the entire industry is really where we see it being. This is how we flip the whole thing on its head.
0: So, I mean, there's got to be some, you know, you collect so much data. What are, you tell me about whether, you know, a pass is under pressure or not. What are what are some of the other things you collect that no one else does? And there's got to be things that data is telling you that you think are very unusual or interesting.
1: You know, without giving away your yeah.
0: secret sauce, what could, what could you tell me about what you're seeing?
1: <laughs> Well, I can tell you the, uh, so we, we started in the NHL um, three years ago. Um, and within really two and a half seasons, we've signed on 25 teams in the league. Uh, the we were behind pretty much every trade in the in the NHL this past year, um, and one of the, the core reasons for that is that we're not comparing um, apples to oranges anymore. Like you're not just saying, okay, we need a defenseman, and and let's these guys are good defensemen because of let's say I don't know they're coursey. Uh What we're doing is we're comparing apples to apples, where you've got let's say, a puck-moving defenseman versus a puck-moving defenseman and looking at how strong other players on the uh, on their lines are when they're on the ice. Um, and, you know, how strong are they between the, I don't know, loose puck recovery in the defensive zone through moving the puck through the neutral zone. And if that's their one specific job, then let's compare that one player to every other player whose job is it to do that exact thing. And so just being able to sort of uh, really hone in on the, Job that the player is tasked with doing, and then comparing that player across the league on that one particular job is is one sort of uh, is, is what we've seen has has worked. Well, I mean, during
0: a game or during a series of games leading up to uh, the championship, I could see a team using this to customize who's on the field and who comes off depending on who they're
1: playing against and what's happening in the game. You're bang on. Yes, and this is the kind of thing that now, I mean, the, the second that a player gets on the on the ice or on the field, um, you've got their line, you've got who they're playing with, you've got who they're playing against, and you've got a an expected goal model based on that particular game situation in real time, uh, rather than sort of, you know, very general, broad, you know, uh, predictive metric of the game that happens kind of early or before the game starts. Now you've got really detailed real-time information. That's crazy i
0: mean that means uh you know <laughs> your opponent's weaknesses too based on the players you have uh and the, the you, plays they run and everything you know
1: you just uh you just said our tagline which is know your opponent this this was the biggest the the biggest thing that we had to offer to teams is uh one of the things that we have that other competitors don't is that we don't need to put chips on players and we don't need to install hardware in stadium uh we get all of our information from broadcast feeds uh or from single camera footage so being able to capture all of that, we can now go back and do historical information. Uh, so we recently actually just ran the 1972 Summit Series, the Canadians versus the Soviets, uh, and then looked at, like, all of the historical players and how they played and compared their lines. And it was really cool. And and, and I think probably as we uh, push further into the NFL and into uh, Premier League, we'll probably take some of the biggest, you know, most famous games in history or players in history and run them as well. So, uh, hmm. so Yeah. <laughs> really, really
0: excited. Your wife must complain that now you have enough of a reason to watch sports constantly,
1: right? <laughs> it's work, honey. It's work.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally. That's that's cool. I mean, you know. But as we were talking, remember the hedge fund example. You doing this is going to change the game. You know that, right? Agreed. I mean, it's going to become the standard. If you don't have AI supporting you and doing this analysis, I mean, you're you're at a. It's like yep. malpractice, I guess, if you're a coach
1: yep uh, well, it's an interesting, uh, interesting term, but yeah um, this is this is the kind of thing where we couldn't give away our products when we first started. our first first really? customer, um, I mean, look, when you show up we showed up I mean in their defense, we were showing up with Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> and nobody wants to buy excel spreadsheets. Um, right. but we we showed up initially with just this massive data set. We, you know we had all of these we had the entire league was processed, we had information on every single player in every situation, in every game, and it was a huge data dump. The, the first team that, that took this from us, I mean, they, they sent us a hard drive with all the videos on it, to process for them, uh, and they charged us for the hard drive. <laughs> we paid them a hundred bucks. So, um, but we ended up going, you know, that team just sort of really had a phenomenal season, and then we signed, I mean, as they started going, we signed on seven more teams in, in that season, Um, And it was clear that those teams, the first ones on board, had an advantage. I mean, if you had us, you definitely had an advantage. The next season, once we hit that sort of halfway point, you're exactly right. The teams that didn't have us were at a disadvantage. Uh, And that is just now the the reality. Do people, do fans even know this is going on? Um, I think the super fans do. I mean, uh, it's we We tried really hard early on to try to find a business model that made sense where we could we could open up a lot of the data to the fans. But the problem is it's you've got teams who are willing to pay for it and and who don't want all of the information out publicly um, and we haven't yet found a way to open up some of the insights and some of the data to fans to really dig in and explore themselves uh, I think Opta has done a pretty good job of that in the past with um, with some of their uh, their Opta Pro products and their their you know more graphic and visual insights for fans. Um, but I think as it stands, a lot of the fans know that we're here, but don't necessarily know specifically what we're delivering. Um, I think you're going to see some of that change over the next year or so. But I you know, <laughs> without dropping too many hints, but yes, yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: Well, in terms of uh, interaction, I mean, what about micro-betting, you know, where you're in the middle of a game, and maybe you're yep. even in the middle of, uh, of a play, and a person can make
1: bets right then and there, let's say through an app or something, and... You're bang on, you know, and this is, I mean, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens with legislation in the U.S., um, but it's it's now, I mean, the uh, federally, it is it is now up to the states to legislate sports betting individually, and, and I think there's going to be a... Hmm. Uh, you know, 10, 15 states in the U.S. where it's going to be legal over the next year, to two years. Um, and so I think the biggest difference that is going to happen between the U.S. betting and, and European betting is you are going to see these individual player lines, these sort of micro bets, the the ability to bet on a single player doing a single thing. Uh, and I, I think there's going to be a focus on that uh, in, in U.S. sports betting that, that doesn't exist as much in, yeah. in Europe. Um and this you, is exactly... Um, Right.
0: Yeah, a quick idea. I had an idea for you. Why don't you name the AI something, you know, John or whatever, and make Perfect. it into an AI, an AI AI commentator, and then people can get the commentary from the AI. You know, like we've yeah. I've observed that uh, this coach tends to blah blah blah. So we're going to do this to him, or we're going to try this, or that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> uh,
1: I just said uh, I said a minute ago that I think it would some of our stuff would be somewhat available to the public in the next year or so. Uh, you're going to see, see something along those lines. Um, so this is this is the kind of thing where if you let's say have a particular interest in a in a team or in a player, um, getting specific stories that you want to see about that player would be really cool right if if uh let's say you've got three keys to the game you know LeBron plays a certain way and has um i don't know a, a certain metric that you might not have otherwise looked at that every time he does that metric a lot um you have you know they they tend to win more so start looking for that one thing like these sort of like little keys to the game kind of things are, uh i think going to be really really cool yeah i guess
0: the fans really being interested in that kind of stuff you know yep very interesting i, I agree is there, um is there any uh i don't know is there any dark side to this you know what if um you know an nfl player gets a dui do you keep tabs on stuff like that or one of them like you know punches out his wife or something or you know they appear to yeah. have financial troubles or and it and it's going to affect his game or he has an injury or I mean do you deal with that kind of data besides just the visual stuff that happens on the field?
1: Yeah, we we try to keep it keep it pretty clean in terms of what we're I mean we're collecting on the field on the court on the ice data. Um, you know, a whatever most look I'm, I I'm a former Olympic athlete so for me oh, well. uh I can I can tell you that uh anything that I did off the ice would have uh would have affected my performance uh positively or negatively so probably some of the things that are happening on the court and field um will be measured just flat out by performance uh what the result of it you know what they're coming from or what's happening out of uh, out of play I I, I don't know yeah
0: well, no, that's good. I mean, you could say what happens on the field stays in the field with your data, which is really cool. Yep. You know, or like at that. the very
1: least, you got a you got a clear picture of what's happening. You know, if if you've got a theory or hypothesis on why it's happening, great, measure it that way, right? If the player starts, um, I don't know, a, a new diet. Well, you can actually take the day they started that new diet up until today and compare the data before that diet and see what the impact of the play was uh, by changing the diet, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that might be a more positive take on the on previous example of things that happen out of the uh out of out of the field. But yeah. Well what
0: about um if someone's playing hurt or if someone um I don't know, I just wonder if it would be co opted by um of insurance I mean, there's what- some other people that want to know, hey, we want you you know, you've observed the player, we want to know if this
1: correlates with that. Yeah, correlation is, is a tricky thing. Um, Causation, I mean, is impossible. Correlation is is really tricky because there are so many factors that go into uh, into performance. I mean, um, and so what we we've actually we we generally shy away from traditional statistical analyses, and we've got really a team of um, we call reinforcement learning uh, researchers who come up with adaptive models. So. Let's say in a, in a game you have, um, it's 3-2, you're five minutes before the end of the game, the player's you know, three weeks out of an injury, you're against one of the strongest lines, suddenly the goalie gets pulled. In that situation, what is the likelihood of this I don't know, defensive line breaking? Like, those are the kinds of things where it's like, well, a statistician would tell you there isn't enough data in the world to be able to come up with an actual model to statistically predict <laughs> that situation. Uh, but with really yeah. with AI, with with adaptive reinforcement, like machine learning algorithms, uh, you can actually come up with pretty strong predictive metrics that uh, that use a wide variety of information. Uh, so this is, um, yeah, maybe that's a bit of a tangent, but that's that's sort of the biggest difference between traditional statistical modeling and um, and and AI.
0: I think it's really cool that you're keeping it clean and still you're getting great results. I mean that's great. I think that's that you know that's.
1: Yeah, well, too, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. I mean, look, we
1: we're having a lot of fun. That's uh that's for sure.
0: Hmm. So w- where are you at with these uh, with this analysis? You said you've gotten a lot of penetration into the into hockey. Now it's NFL. I mean, what's on your roadmap for this next year, and where do you think things are gonna go?
1: So we yeah we've got 25 NHL teams. Uh, we have. Five um broadcasters we have two um uh, english or uh, yeah European soccer teams uh we've just recently brought on our second nFL team uh and we're we're now in a position where um we want to ramp up number one we want to ramp up the data collection just flat out we we want to now start looking at who are the biggest data collection companies in the world and collect more so more information better insights, faster data. We are, we're now ready to kind of step up to the world stage and, and really start being the, the primary supplier for, for these, uh, these sports. Um, on the insights and modeling, uh, we do see a, a pretty big, um, within the next year, a pretty big play into the, uh, call it fan insights space, being able to deliver uh, really interesting and engaging content in-game. So, we can tell hundreds of stories live as the game is happening. Uh, and so, the ability to do that and, and do it well is, uh, uh, is, I believe, what we have, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll see over the next year or so.
0: Well, one question. You said you got 25 teams in the NHL. Have you seen the effect of your work yet? Has NHL, yeah, games, have NHL games
1: changed a lot, and what have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen. Um, I guess without getting into details, but we've seen tactics that teams are, are deploying have become really uh, uh, well defined and we've seen specific play around the offensive zone and, and in front of the net change. Um, really the, the way that teams are playing have, has has changed.
0: I mean, more generically, do you see that the teams that, so the teams that use you, they're playing differently,
1: right? The teams, yeah, the teams that have really doubled down on us and are, are sort of our, are, our, Heaviest uh, clients, absolutely. Yeah, they they have changed and the way that they, they play. It.
0: And what about the teams that are playing against that don't use you? Are you seeing them like scratch their heads or change their tactics, or are you seeing a reaction from them?
1: Um, I would say, with the exception of maybe one team, um, yeah. I mean, generally they I hate to to say it, but they just, they haven't performed as well. They just weren't the, the they weren't winning. <laughs> uh, really again with the exception of, of basically one team um but but yeah um so yeah it's it's how, tough to say i don't see much of yeah i know it's hard to quantify but
0: how much of an advantage do, you, do the teams that you inform how much do they believe it gives them and how much do you see anecdotally it
1: does give them well, I mean, I think if we were to put a, a, a number on it, we, we haven't lost a client yet. Um, every single customer who's come on so far has, uh, has come back and, and signed up for multiple years. Um, I, I, by no, I still I think we have a tremendous amount of growing to do still. I really, when I look at our products, I see um, we're, we're really two and a half years into development. And I mean, it's still, I still feel like to get to the point where we want to be, we, we still have work to do. Um, but I, I mean, I can tell you right now that we've, we've woven ourselves into the fabric of these organizations, where this is now we we see ourselves, and, and I believe our, our customers see us as well as as a, really a part of the team. Yeah, definitely. Are the coaches welcoming it, or do they feel like
0: I don't want some damn machine telling me what to do? Or they do they realize like, hey, <laughs> no, hey, they no, you
1: you're uh, you that's a totally valid point, and one that actually uh, initially. Uh, it caught me a bit off guard when we first started was that um, a lot of coaches, I mean, the coaches don't want to be told what to do. They, they don't want, I mean, the reality is the, these coaches know more than I could ever imagine <laughs> that I could conceive of knowing in hockey. Um, and so what, what really the coaches want is a tool that gives them the ability to answer the questions they have quickly uh, more so than something that gives them the anything predictive, right? The, the coaches don't want a suggestion on who to put on a line. They want um, a tool that will enable them to look at scenarios on their own, uh, to take what they're seeing and what their what their gut's telling them, and being able to model it out and and get either a uh, proof or validation or disprove the, the thoughts that they have. Uh, and so that's yeah, we we really in terms of our team products, we really do shy away from the predictive side of anything. We 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 enable to, we give tools that enable them to. Uh, to get the answers that they need to the questions they have. So the AI
0: will say, this is what's going on. And the coach will say, all right, we'll do this. And then, you know, if the AI AI was a person, it would say, oh, good, good, good job, good job. Even though the AI is the one that knew that.
1: (laughs) It might might say, it might say good job or it might (laughs) say, it might say good job or it might say this is the like." You know, this is uh, how that combination has, has performed in the past, and here are four or five other different possible combinations, um, but without saying necessarily good job or bad job, because <laughs> nobody wants a machine saying that. I think if I had a machine be funny like, telling me i a good job, I'd probably fight
0: it. It would be like flattering <laughs> a king. Oh, yes. Oh, your your highness, you're so smart. You know, you're right. You know, the, the person, the AI gives the advice, but they say, oh, coach, you know, brilliant idea, even though they said <laughs> it to them, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that vision in my head will be there probably for the next day or so. But uh, okay. yeah. unfortunately, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, as as much as as, as fans, we, we criticize coaches and uh, for decisions they make. Oftentimes, these guys are really three steps ahead of where, where most of us think they are. Um, and we'll, so just giving them the tools to, to, to do their jobs more efficiently and have eyes in more places is really what, (laughs) what we're doing. Yeah.
0: You know what I thought of too, it's really interesting is, um, again, I don't know much about sports. I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't, but I know that coaches watch like old games and they look for certain plays and all that. I mean, it sounds like, and you're probably doing this, but you can have like, you're the Google of sports plays. You could if a coach wants to see every instance of like, again, the forward crush or whatever, you know, yep. the, your system could probably pull it up and say, here's the 46 games in which it
1: happened and yep. show it to them right there on demand. Right. That's exactly it. So if you, um, you know, if, if you wanted to say, I don't know, there was a trade last year where one of the, uh, the coaches was speaking about the uh, there's a player that they got that was really good at digging the puck out of the corners. Um, that was sort of the explanation. That's what he was good at. And he helped create, generate plays because he was good at that. Uh, we looked at it and we were able to instantly queue up all the videos of that, of that, that particular play. And then all the ones that resulted in positive, like in, in the team maintaining possession and all those results that, you know, were less positive and being able to split those videos up so that they can look at some of the videos and then look at the others. And you can clearly, then the coach can look at it and go, ah, wait a sec, look at how these guys are positioned or. Or here, uh, yes, he is doing this a lot, so this is what we thought he was doing. But look at the game state or the situation in which this happened when it was positive or negative. And so it gives them just eyes where previously they didn't have eyes. So, yeah. Very interesting.
0: Well, this is really cool. No wonder why you're so excited about it. I mean, I just think it's really cool. It's very interesting.
1: <laughs> I think a lot of
0: people well, are much fiending for yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, we are, we are, like I said, being at the intersection of tech and sport right now, it's just a really exciting place to be. We're really, really, uh, we're having a lot of fun, um, a lot of really smart people. Uh, as I mentioned, I mean, coming from the athlete space, I mean, I trained with some of the best athletes in the world, and now I'm sitting here in a room with some of the best researchers and the best developers and the best people uh, in a, you know, building product that is just super exciting. So yeah I, I would have to echo your sentiments. It's really really a uh, fun and a really cool place to be right now. Are you gonna go back in time and profile your own old videos and
0: and cringe and see what the a i says about you <laughs> Never
1: never never, never. Let that glory live on in my mind
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um a couple of questions about the uh the tech part of it. I don't know if you can answer, but you know I've seen machine vision where you know it's Okay, is that a cat in the picture or a dog or you know that kind of thing? This sounds like like a really high level of machine vision. Like, how complex is this problem? And and I mean, how difficult yeah. was it to figure this stuff out?
1: Well, this is a it's a great question because this is the example that I always use. So in in like 2013, um, I wrote an independent study in school, and I was studying exactly this. It was like, what is the state of the tech right now? Uh, and it did that. It did image classification really well, but that was it. It could tell you a dog or a cat, um, and even that, eh, probably about 80% of the time. Um, but what? So when my when my, our co-founder and I got together, we basically took a whiteboard and we said, look, from beginning to end, what does the future look like? What is this, you know, what technology exists? What products exist? What is the like? What te- just all reality aside? What does the future look like? And we basically spelled out what does the future look like I mean to- top to bottom, never mind any reality or anything that exists today what what is what are all the technologies and all the applications that could exist in a in a perfect world uh, We then took that as being kind of our end game and we backed that up to today and we kind of put this into this uh, sequence of massive technological milestones uh, there were roughly eight parts of this thing where it didn't necessarily, some existed, some didn't yet. Uh, Some could be developed in parallel and some had to, you know, were dependent on earlier technologies. So Mm -hmm. we took all of those. We went to eight university labs across five universities across the country. Uh, We met with the professors, gave them this research and said, look, this is what we're trying to solve. Here is, here are all the issues here, you know, how to solve it and all of the different ways of doing it. You know, we brainstormed with them and went through various, um, uh, various approaches to the problems, uh, and then basically guided that research. Uh, so we have effectively eight university research labs actively working on individual pieces of this. Uh, oh, wow. and so with, with that, we have now university collaborators and, um, uh, you know, a technical advisory panel that consists of all of these, uh, these professors who come and come in, and maybe once a quarter, and and we'll go through uh, all of our ideas and all of our you know, direction and, and everything. Um, we've since of of those university research projects, we've filed six patents over the last three years. Uh, we have um, 12 PhDs who have uh, who have come out of either those projects or sort of peripheral projects. Um, and so it, it kind of served as a a, you know, sowing the seeds of, of these new technologies, but also as a recruitment um, a funnel for us. Uh, and so the reason that we are so ahead is because we really, I mean, that was four four years ago, right? So we we actively were investing in early stage research really, really since the beginning. So, I mean, our DNA as a company has been uh, really leading the way on, on the computer vision and, and the AI modeling side. Um, so, so yeah, we are definitely ahead, and it's and at this point, I don't think it's something that you you can just throw money at and uh, and, and get. I mean, for us, it was really an investment early on that we we made, and, and we've been sort of um, you know capitalizing on on that since.
0: Okay, very really cool. I just got one last question because I know we're yeah. running out of time. Ha- have you been approached by industries or corporations that aren't in sports but that want what you've created? They want to use it for their industry.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the one of the technologies that, that initially, so I, I mentioned I did an independent study, and that's what kind of came of this. I, I skipped over the fact that originally we were we came together uh, with the goal of be becoming a self driving vehicle company. Uh, we we saw this as a technology that would allow cars to see um, what was happening around them better, uh, and so. Uh, this is, again, it was 2013, so it was really early. Um, it was probably the idea was maybe a little bit too early for the industry. Um, but uh, we we basically started feeding the thing sport videos because it was easier to track players when there were measured lines on the field than it was to measure people around cars. Uh, so we actually uh, we started building it with that application, and, and a couple of uh, companies around that space have approached it since then. Uh, and who knows, right? I mean, maybe as this thing kind of begins to build up, we may end up right back where the initial <laughs> spark happened, right? Um, yeah. and, and who, who knows? Uh, I definitely there are applications for so much of what we're building across the industry, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, but I mean, until that time, we're gonna just keep keep the noses down and, and keep running. Well, very cool. Like
0: I said, I love what you're working on. It's really interesting. So what's the um, the best way for people to get in touch or collaboration or more crazy ideas or to, you know, sign their team up for your insights?
1: Yeah, sportlogic.com, uh, com. Uh We've got our email address there. I mean, we're on Twitter. Uh, yeah, feel free to reach out.
0: Okay. Well, very good. Well, Craig, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here,